Greetings and welcome to the Above and Not Beneath podcast. I'm Robin Sears, your host, and I'm excited to take you on a journey towards discovery and inspiration. We'll meet extraordinary women who have overcome incredible obstacles, and throughout the series, you'll be uplifted by their resilience and motivated by their unwavering courage as they forge a new path forward. We'll also explore the organizations that support and stand alongside them in their journey. So get ready to be empowered and join us as we dive into the world of these brave women. Okay. Hello, Dave. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, Yeah, my pleasure. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm looking forward to our conversation. uh, As we just talked a couple minutes ago, Uh, I think you have just a lot of really interesting things going on and I'm very curious um, how you got where you are and, uh, about a lot of other things too, but why don't you just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about who you are? Sure. And uh, uh, thanks Robin for having me on your show. It means a lot. Very humbled. Um, so my name is Dave Alvin. I'm the, I'm the f- founder and CEO of Firewalk Productions and, uh, my company and I, we create some of the most extraordinary corporate, uh, team building paradigm shift experiences in America. And uh, I live up in the northwestern part of the state of North Carolina, up in the mountains, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And um, we, it's a beautiful place to live. And I've got two kids. I got, I got a son that goes to App State University in Boone. And uh, he's about 25 minutes that way. And my daughter lives about 20 minutes that way. And so I'm an empty nester. And I've got the best of both worlds with the kids close by. And I just had, I just had, my daughter just had uh, our second, uh, her second child and my second uh, uh, granddaughter. So I've got a grandson and a granddaughter and I live a very majestic life up here in the mountains. Oh, well, congratulations on the new baby. My, Uh, my daughter and her husband expecting their first. So we're, uh, so it's going to be your first. uh, It'll be, it'll be my first, Uh, my husband, my stepson, they have three. And so it's like, one and four. <laughs> okay, gotcha. <clears throat> well, you'll find out whether that, uh, whether that, what do they say? If I'd have known how great grandkids were going uh, to be, I'd have had them first. Uh, so <laughs> there's a lot of truth to it, I could tell you. It's hilarious. Oh, uh, yeah. Congratulations yeah. for you. It's great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I am looking, definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. So, Dave, I, um, I'm, I'm curious fire, fire walking. Tell us a little bit about just kind of how, what, what actually is that for people who maybe don't know or sure. haven't heard of it before? Gotcha. Well, fire walking, uh, the act itself has been around hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, literally. Um, if you search around, you'll find that the Fahitians, uh, the people of India, the people of Spain, the Polynesians, the Hawaiians, the Native American Indians, uh, the Indo-Europeans. I mean, it's been used all over the world for hundreds and hundreds of years. Now, it's been used differently in those environments than it was here, that it has been here in the West, because it was used more as a rite of passage. Uh, it's a very ceremonial experience. It's a very spiritual experience. It can be used as a graduation. It can be used for a whole host of different things based on the culture. Uh, that's having the particular firewalk. So again, like for example, the native, the the uh, the Indo-Europeans, the Indo-Europeans before the men would go into battle and they go to war, they would do a firewalk the night before, and so it was very tribal. There was war paints, there was dancing. Um, in fact, if you didn't go to, if you didn't do the firewalk the night before, you weren't allowed to go into battle. 
And if you didn't go into battle, you were, you know, you were dishonoring your family. And so it was used for that. Um, if you look at the people of India, oh my gosh, they, again, they do it as a celebration. Um, I've got a picture on my web website of, a, of a, a graduation there, I believe it is. And it's the birth of two children. So what they do is they dig kind of like this pit, kind of a concave pit. And there's about that much, that many coals in the bottom of it. And then standing around the outside of that, you have all, it looks like all their friends and family mm -hmm. and they're dressed in beautiful colors, Robin. They've got all these silk colors and, and they've, you know, some of the women have got, you know, like flowers in their mouth and things of this nature. Well, down in that pit is a very young girl and she's, I'm guessing probably in her mid to late teens and she's got a flower in her mouth. She's also wearing beautiful, beautiful silk garment and she's holding in her hands two newborns. Now, if you, she drops one of those babies, it won't make it. You can't get to it fast enough. So there is a, that's a graduation. That's a ceremonial graduate graduation. Like when, how we do firewalking here, basically what we do is we set up, we, we burn a pit and we let it burn all day and it renders. And then at the end, we transfer those coals to either a wheelbarrow or we transfer them to a, uh, a, a lane of sod. And, and so it's a fire lane and that can be three feet wide, 18 feet long. And then we just take a flathead shovel and we sprinkle those coals on top of that grass. And that's what you walk on. Yeah. Well, that fire walk in India is not, that's, they're just not sprinkled. They're that deep. So yeah. it's, it's pretty, pretty spectacular what people can do and what they're capable of. Yeah. Very interesting how it's right. used in different cultures. Yes. Um, I'm curious, Dave. So what you're doing you're bringing fire walking to organizations and, yes. and tell me a little bit about, um, you know, maybe kind of what the organization is trying to accomplish with sure. uh, bringing fire walking to their people. Well, if we look at organizations that um, take people to a level that most people will never understand or ever play at that level, um, uh, let's take Navy SEALs, right? You don't become a Navy SEAL by sitting in a chair in a seminar that's not what happens right because what yeah. right what doesn't challenge you doesn't change you yeah. so you know uh so they're all right boys and girls uh, you know today we're taking you out into the pacific ocean out in that one area where there's a lot of sharks and you're going to do your night swim tonight right mm -hmm. so everything really comes down robin to fear and how we process it right so what is it what does fear mean to you or us if, if the acronym can be you know, forget everything and rise or face everything and run, uh, face everything and rise or forget everything and run. Now in AA, we say um, uh, false images appearing real. Mm -hmm. So the bottom line is that the fears we don't face become our limits. And so we have to deal with that. And the firewalk experience in and of itself, you're going to have fear. There's no doubt about it. When you walk up to that fire lane and you look down, you see those coals, uh, a bright red, you know, you, you're going to have your moment. So I think it's not, it's not much of a stretch to, to, to realize that COVID took everybody, everything, all companies, everything, and just shredded them yeah. because there, there was this middle split, everybody in half, um, uh, you know, uh, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, get a vaccine, don't get a vaccine, you know, get boosters, get more, do this, love Donald Trump, hate Donald Trump, love Joe Biden. Hey, I mean, are you kidding me? You know what that does to a company? Yeah. It shreds them and their production goes boop. 
And so any CEO knows what? I better fix it. So how do you do that? Well, the firewalk will do that because it creates community. It creates, when you take a group of people, whether it's 3,000 or 30, and you put them through a transformational experience like that, they rise together because mm-hmm. they collectively did it together. Yeah. And so, I, and I learned that many, many, many years ago. Um, I Many years ago, um, back in 1995, um, I had, um, I, I got sober in June of 1988. I was grossly addicted to drugs and alcohol, really bad. Ended up calling AA, went to a meeting on that first day on June 8th, and it stuck. And and I got sober, and one day turned into a week, a week turned into a month. And when I got a month, Robin, I got a little medallion, right? And it said one month of continuous sobriety, AA. And then I got one at two months, three months, six months, nine months, and one year. Well, at the same time this was going on that I was learning the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous, I was up late at night all the time. I had my sleep patterns were all over the place. And so one night there I am, I'm up late watching an infomercial. And there he is, Mr. Motivation himself, Gunther Ranker, selling Tony Robbins personal power program. And so again, this is in, you know, 1988. And if you don't know who Tony Robbins is, he's a very famous motivational speaker. He's probably one of the top business uh, and success coaches of modern times very well known. And so again, this was a young Tony Robbins. This is 1988. Mm -hmm. So that Mm -hmm. personal power program that he was selling uh, was a, was a, was a one month uh, um, program. And so I pulled out my American express card and bought it. And the reason I bought it is he said two things that really got me. One of them was, he said, we'll do more to avoid pain than we will to gain pleasure. And I was like, oh, whoa, okay, well, that's interesting because I'm in a lot of pain. Let's let's listen to more. Because honestly, Robin, when I was first listening to him, I was like, I can't stand this guy. I mean, what a jerk. He's all motivated, you know. <laughs> it's like, and I wasn't so motivated. jumping around. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. All of that enthusiasm. And, you know, and I wasn't that way in that moment, that's for sure. But here's what it got me when he said, he said, you know, the driving force in our life, the reason we make decisions is out of inspiration or desperation. And that's when I went, okay, I get that. I can relate to that because I'm pretty darn desperate. So anyway, I bought this program. They sent it to me. I I unboxed it. I went through, plugged them in, went through it. And I did what the man taught me to do. And it worked. Well, one of my, and so after that, by the way, I I started working out. I, I started losing weight. I started my own business. My entrepreneurial spirit got raised. And well, one of my buddies is watching me in AA and he's like, dude, what's going on with you? It's like, why are you so motivated, right? And I said, well, I've been listening to this guy named Tony Robbins. He goes, I know who Tony Robbins is. I read his book. And so we got to talking about the program. And I said, hey, man, if you want to borrow it, if you promise me you'll go through it, I'll loan it to you. Well, he did. Well, seven years later, 1995, my phone rings. And it's my buddy, Dan. And Dan's, and he's like, hey, man, how you doing? And he said, hey, listen, man, did you know that Tony Robbins is coming to town for a live event? I said, no, I had no clue. And he goes, well, you, do you want to go? And I said, sure, I'll go with you. He goes, great, man. I was hoping you'd say that. I'll call you right back. He calls me back an hour later. He goes, done. We pick up the tickets at Will Call. And here's what they said to do. They told us to do some stuff very specifically. One, um, bring snacks. And the reason for that is you're going to spend a lot of time in the room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what an understatement that was. 
He said, uh, drink a lot of water. We have to stay really hydrated. Okay, that makes sense. He said, bring a good attitude and be ready to play full out. And I said, Dan, how much was the ticket? He said, $700. I said, $700? He goes, yeah, man, you can pay me back. Don't worry about it. Well, this is in 1995. Right. Right. So what's that equate to today? Yeah, uh, like 2,500 bucks or something. Seven grand, seven million. Yeah. I don't, you're right. Yeah, yeah. 2,500, probably something like that. And so, and just as he's getting ready to get off the phone, he goes, oh, wait, I forgot to tell you the most important part. He said, we're going to be doing a fire walk. <laughs> and I'm th- now I didn't say anything, but I'm thinking, oh, hell no. You're out of your mind. I am not going to be doing any firewalk. This is the tape that's playing in my head, right? Yeah. Fear, yeah. fear kicks in. Fear is making my decision. I don't even know what a firewalk is. I never heard of it before. I don't know what that even means. <laughs> it automatically sounds it, like something you are not going to do. <laughs> but it sounds like something I'm not going to be doing anytime soon. And so I'm like, yeah, sure, Dan, firewalk, great. All right, man, I'll see you then. Well, the day comes for the event. And we get there, checked in. Next thing you know, we're sitting in a room with 3,500 people. And Tony takes the stage at two o'clock in the afternoon. Well, the next thing we know, it's after midnight. We've been in a room listening to Robbins for 10 hours. Wow. Well, I've already decided I'm not going to do it. You know, I'm sure I can go hide in the back, but I'm I'm not going to be doing this. And all of a sudden, Tony goes, take your shoes off. I'm like, oh, no. Uh uh-uh. no, 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 pal. You're not tricking me. I know where you're going with this. And I, so I'm like, but I'm looking around and guess what, what's happening? Everybody's taking their shoes off. Right. And I'm like, no, you guys don't fall for it. Don't go towards the light. Right. And, and so now I'm faced with a dilemma because everyone else is taking their shoes off. And if I don't take my shoes off, people are going to see me walking out there and going, oh, look at this guy. Didn't take his shoes off. He's a coward. Right. I'm like, well, we can't have that. So I'm like, just take your shoes off. Just chill out. When you get out there, just go to the back and hide out. You're going to be fine. So it gets worse. As soon as just before he gets us to start going out the door into this giant parking lot, 3,500 people, he gets everybody to chanting and clapping. Right. So they're all like, yes, yes, yes. And I'm like, oh, in 3,500 people, you're like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Stop. Well, it gets worse because when you get outside, out physically outside in the parking lot area, he's got African drummers. And so now it's bum, 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 bum. And, and what a dog and pony show, Robin. I mean, it's like it's unlike anything you've ever seen or been to in your entire life. In fact, I've never been to anything like it other than a Tony Robbins seminar. So it's super, super intense. Well, I'm holding true to my strategy. I go hide in the back. Well, here's what Tony knows. Tony studied this intensely. He knows this literally, this is one of the most transformational, life-changing paradigm shift experiences on earth. And he knows it. That's why he's using it, right? It's a four-day event. This is day one. And, the, and, the, and that night we're doing the firewalk. So he wants everybody to do it because he knows it's going to change their life. So he knows there's people like me. He knows we're hiding out in the back. So what's he do? He trains people to come find us. So I'm back there all by myself, minding my own beeswax. And all of a sudden, here comes this guy. And, and he makes eye contact with me. When he, once he made eye contact with me, he wouldn't take his eyes off me, right? So Robbins must train him. Hey, when you look at those people and you make eye contact, don't take your eyes off them. So this dude, this stranger, gets probably 20 feet from me. 
And he's kind of looking at me real funny, like, you know, there's something wrong with me, right? And he kind of leans over and he bends over and he kind of looks at me and goes, are you okay? And when we're not okay, what do we do? We lie, right? Yeah. We go, yeah, I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm, fine. I'm good. All good here, man. Yeah, move along. Nothing to see here, pal. Well, he, he then he says, so, hey, man, um, are you going to walk tonight? And I'm like, absolutely not. And I said it to him in that tonality, right? Like, go away, dude. I'm I'm done with you. And he goes, hey, man, that's not a problem. It's okay. It's totally fine. We don't want you to do anything you don't want to do. And I thought, well, cool. I like this guy. He's going to get me out of here. And all of a sudden, here's this stranger. Robin, I don't know who this guy is to this day. But he completely transformed my life mm -hmm. by asking me one question. And that question was, well, wouldn't you at least like to watch? And I thought for a second, yeah, sure. Yeah, that'll be entertaining. Let's do that. I'd love to watch, these watch people. other people get burnt. <laughs> I want to watch these people burn their feet off. Let's do this. This will be fun. Can I take pictures? And so he goes, listen, man, you can't see anything from back here. He's telling the truth. I'm 100 yards away. I got 3,500 people standing in front of me. I can't see anything. I can hear them. They're already doing it. They're walking. They're screaming. They're yelling. They're celebrating. I mean, and the drums are going and everybody's chanting. It's like, holy mackerel. Um, so I said, okay, fine. I just, so I just got in, got in line. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to go watch. Well, I'm kind of in line. I'm kind of walking along. And all of a sudden this guy comes up to me and he whispers in my ear and he says, he knows when you're ready. When he says, go, you go. And pew, this guy just disappeared into the night. And I'm like, who was that? What was that? That was, who says I'm ready? <laughs> yeah. Who the hell are you? You know, excuse me. Yeah. Who are you? How do you know I'm ready? How does he know I'm ready, right? And so I'm walking along and I'm walking along and I can't see in front of me, hundreds of people, but all of a sudden I get to a point and I can see at an angle and they're doing it, Robin. I mean, every race, every creed, every color, every age, they are fire walking and they are having the time of their life. They're getting to the end of the fire walk and they're jumping up and down and they're celebrating like crazy. And I'm like, what? You know, again, there's nothing like it on earth that I've ever, ever witnessed or been a part of. And so now I'm mesmerized, right? I can't take my eyes off this. It's like driving by an accident, right? And you go, yeah, you're not supposed to look at it. And of course, what do we do? We stare at it, right? right? Well, that's what I'm doing here. I'm so mesmerized in such a trance. I can't take my eyes off this. And I'm just staring and staring and staring. And all of a sudden, boom, guess where I am? I'm at the front of the line. And I'm looking down into the abyss. That fire lane's three feet. You know why? Um, it's it's 18 feet long. What they do is they go over to that. There's this big giant pit that they light early in the day. And that pit's probably 30 feet wide, 70 feet long. And they just add wood all day and stoke it and stoke it and stoke it. And then 10 hours later, it renders this big, giant, beautiful coals. They're just a big pile of them. They're beautiful. And so they would load those coals in a wheelbarrow. And then they brought the wheelbarrow in between these two lanes of sod, the grass, the fire, the fire lane, right? Again, three feet wide, 18 feet long. And they just took the coals and they sprinkled those coals on top of that grass. And that's what you walked on. Well, that's what I'm staring at. And they're glowing bright red. There's no doubt about it, right? Well, right next to it is that wheelbarrow. And you can feel the heat coming off. And, you know, the drums are going and people are screaming and yelling and going on. And my heart's about ready to pump, jump out of my chest. I am scared to death. And there's a trainer standing there. 
And all of a sudden, a trainer goes, eyes up. And I'm like, like, like you idiot, right? And all of a sudden, I blow my eyes up. Well, it dawned on me at that point. I'm in a room with Tony Robbins for 10 hours. Guess what he teaches you to do? Keep your eyes up, right? Don't stare at what you fear. Metaphorically, here, here's the, here comes the lesson, right? Don't stare at what you fear. Look beyond it. Look at it as if, you, if you've already accomplished it, you already stepped through it, and you did it. Act as if. So now my eyes are up, right? And, and you can see there's two guys down there that have locked hands that are waiting for you, right? And all of a sudden, the, 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 the trainer goes, squeeze your fist and say yes. And I went, yes. And he went, stronger. And I went, yes. Well, he could tell. I was leaving a lot on the table. I was not in a peak state. And they want you in a peak state. So he screamed at me. Well, I threw my hands in the air and I screamed at the top of my lungs, yes. And that trainer goes, go, go, go. Poo. I took off. Well, here's the first thing I learned about firewalking. When you take that first step, oh, you'll take the second, third, fourth, and fifth. I guarantee you. You're not going to stop in the middle of the lane, right? Kind of metaphorically like life when you want to make a decision and do something and whatever that is. So you don't stop. Well, again, those two guys stopped me. And they said, wipe your feet and celebrate. I'm kind of wiping my feet and I'm kind of celebrating. Like, and I look back and I just walked on coals over a thousand degrees. And all of a sudden it dawns on me, I've burnt myself really, really bad. And I lift up my foot and I look at it. It's dirty, Robin, but there's no burns. Oh, it's my other foot. I look at it. It's filthy, dirty, but there's no burns. So now I'm standing there in total disbelief. People are celebrating, they're screaming around me. And I'm looking back going, wait a minute. I just walked on coals that were a thousand degrees. I don't have a clue how I did it. None. Right. And, but I'm like, have you ever done this? You ever done something really awesome, but you don't really know how you did it, but you're, but you're celebrating and you're like, yep, that's me. Yep. I did that. <laughs> right. Well, that was don't the know how, but I did it. Yeah, I did it. I did it. And so you're standing there with 30,000 people. And we're all celebrating and our self-confidence, our self-belief and our self-worth went boop and we did it together. So now there's that camaraderie connection because we did something extraordinary and it was collective. We did it all at the same time. Well, here's where it gets really interesting. The next day, you come into the foyer, 3,500 people, day two, getting ready to go into the venue and you're waiting, and I'm watching all these people interact with each other. I'd never seen anything like it. It was beautiful. It was magical. It was gorgeous. People were talking and communicating and hugging and touching each other and laughing, and some were crying. They were talking about the firewalk and, you know, how this is going to change their life, and they're not going to, you know, they're, they're not going to let fear crush them and take things away from them. It's unbelievable to stand there in the middle of all that. Well, that's really kind of when the thing clicked in my head because I'm going, wait a minute. So that firewalk last night did that to all of us. And so, again, there's this connectivity between that. It's almost like a near-death experience that you would yeah. go through, right? Right. So uh, later in the event, I met one of Tony's trainers. named Ted Macy. Great guy. Him and his wife, Mary, both trainers. And I'm talking to Ted and I said, hey, man, this must be really cool to be, you know, in this environment and come and do this regular basis. He goes, oh, yeah. He goes, it's it's unbelievable how amazing it is and what it does for your belief system. 
And he goes, and you see all those people over there wearing those black shirts with the pink writing on the back? Yeah. He goes, they're all volunteers. You could become one. When you go home, just call Robin's Research and say, hey, I'd like an application for a volunteer crew position. And they'll send you an application, guaranteed. Well, I did that. I filled it out. They sent it to me. I filled it. I sent it back. Like seven weeks later, I got the letter back in the mail. And it said, Dave Alvin, congratulations. You've been selected a crew with the Anthony Robbins Companies down in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Boom. I'm in. <laughs> well, things escalated pretty quickly from there. I had a military background and a security background. So they put me on the security team helping take care of Tony's celebrities because he's got tons of celebrities at every event. Um, I also lived on a farm at the time. So I knew how to use tools and log splitters and equipment and all that kind of stuff. So they put me on the fire building team as well, outside all day, learning how to facilitate and you know make the firewalks work. Because there's, there's 300 plus people at every event, sometimes more. But there's 60 to 70, maybe 80 people outside. Mm -hmm. And all they're doing is the firewalk. And that's where I was. Well, the next thing I know, Robin, they offered me a subcontracting position. Because as a volunteer, you had to pay your way, right? You had to pay your airfare. You had to pay your hotel, paid for food. All you got was a shirt that said, you know, the fire team, the Anthony Robbins fire team, long sleeves and flames mm -hmm. on the side, which, you know, you wear it like a badge of honor. You, when we give those shirts to those guys, they love them. Um, next thing I know, they, they hire me as a subcontractor to help take care of Tony's celebrities. About uh, two events later, they bring me into the fire team. And so now I'm getting, they're paying my way. They're paying my hotel, airfare, per diem. And, you know, I'm, I'm making a, a little bit as a subcontractor. Well, that was 96, 97. In 2003, my life changed forever. And so did my family. Um, I got offered the captain's position. Means that I would take over all of the firewalks globally. And because mm -hmm. I homeschooled my kids, they said, well, you know, because I didn't want to do it without them. They said, that's fine. We'll pay to have your kids travel with us. So my kids literally went on the road with Tony Robbins in 2003. In fact, their first event was in Sydney, Australia, right? Wow. So here's my daughter, six, and my son's nine. We're homeschooled, and, and now they're on the road, and their first destination was Sydney, Australia. So you can imagine. That's a great homeschool experience. Right? Yeah, it was. Uh, they liked all of them, as a matter of fact. They, mm -hmm. they, they loved it. It was a beautiful thing. Um, and in 2005, uh, we went to London and we, uh, we, we set a world record. Uh, mm -hmm. We firewalked 12,500 people. Uh, we did that out of the Docklands uh, at the Excel Center. And that was, now I want to be clear, let me, full disclosure here, Guinness Book of Records was not there. However, that's the biggest firewalk that's ever taken place on the planet as far as I know. The only yeah. thing that's ever come anywhere close to that are other Tony Robbins seminars uh, where we did 10,000 or 9,000 or 8,000 um, participants. Well, so then um, uh, everything's going along. Wonderful. Having a great time. It's all good. Um, and then in 2014, my life changed again forever. And I got a call from Google. And they, they're like, hey, you the Dave Alvin does the firewalks for Tony Robbins? Yeah, what can I do for you? I said, well, we'd like to talk to you about hiring you. So if you're not under any non-compete or, or contractual obligation, I'm like, nope, homeboy's a free agent. What you got going on? And so they had 148 executives graduating from this real intense curriculum that they had gone through for nine months. So they, on the graduation, they wanted to do like a firewalk just to anchor it in, just like all the other cultures around. I mean, Google knows what they're doing. 
Google knew about firewalking. They didn't have to go research it. They knew they wanted to create a spectacular paradigm shift experience for these people who had gone through this intense, intense nine-month curriculum that was actually uh, written by the University of North Carolina. So I told them, you know, they wanted to do this in the middle of the day. And I said, can't do it. It's a safety issue. I'm not going to do it. I need to be able to see those coals. we got to do it at night. I said, however, we could do a glass walk if you want to do it in the middle of the day. They said, mm -hmm. a glass walk? Like walking on broken glass? I'm like, yeah. They said, oh, that's interesting. Tell us about that. And so I did. The next thing I know, I'm at Google doing a glass walk in 2014. Came back and did another one in 2015. Uh, and then the next thing I know, Robin, I'm at NASA. Wow. In, Houston, in Houston with astronauts doing another glass walk. And then it was, you know, uh, Notre Dame and then Virginia Tech and then uh, Remax and Chick-fil-A and Heineken and Microsoft. And it's just, you know, the EO organization, the entrepreneurs organization, yeah. the YMCA, junior high schools, high schools. I mean, everybody kind of came out of the woodworks at me to come talk or create these paradigm shift experiences. And so... Here I am today, you know, with with Firewalk Productions, and we've been at it now for quite a while, and we're having a great time. And in fact, um, we, uh, last year I started what's called the Dave Albin Firewalk Academy because I knew I was getting to a point where ah, I'm probably going to retire here in the next couple of years, whatever. Mm -hmm. So why not train a bunch of people to do this? And uh, a, a, a really good friend of mine who's an entrepreneur, who's really an amazing entrepreneur, he said, dude, you need to start an academy. And he goes, and if you don't, I will. <laughs> I was like, okay, go. <laughs> I got you. So I did. So I started the Dave Alvin Firewalk Academy. We've got one coming up in October. I only do nine students at a time. And there's a reason for that. Uh, that way they're in groups of threes and they, it's very intimate. Um, and I have a whole host of people that come to that. It could be a corporation that wants to send one of their people. So I teach them all these experiences. They go back. Uh, maybe they're an entrepreneur, a business owner. They want to come learn it, go back and facilitate it in their own companies. Or some people are coaches, they're trainers, and they want to add these experiences, you know, to to their mm -hmm. life and coaching skills. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, it's all on my website. But I tell you what, if anybody, you know, if any of your, your listeners, the audience, uh, wants to go check that out, and they went, "Hey, man, that's pretty cool. I'd like to go do that." Um, I'll give you, I'll give them a code here at the end, and um, uh, that code will give them a substantial discount if they decide they want to come. Yeah, that's amazing, Dave. Thank you for your generosity. Yeah, of course. I think one of the things that really stands out, just thinking about uh, a lot of the women that I serve are single mothers. They're primarily single mothers mm. and they have just come through um, tremendous amounts of adversity, yeah. right? And uh, some some trafficking situations and okay. you know, domestic abuse and, and what have you. And they're on this incredible path, like this trajectory to self-sufficiency and self-sustainability. Um, and kind of when you were talking about your experience in the firewalk and, and um, they told you, know, like, look up, stop looking down. Yeah. Uh, kind of what popped into my mind was um, the uh, like our worst case scenario generally speaking, never comes to fruition, right? True. So your, your, your fear, your worst case scenario is like, I'm going to absolutely burn and destroy the bottom of my feet. And this <laughs> is going to be <laughs> incredibly yep. painful. Yep. Um, and when you were able to kind of look up 
and get out of that fear, right? Your the the neurology, right? Your mm -hmm. the amygdala is firing and it's telling you like danger, danger, danger. Run, um, Robinson, run. <laughs> right, right, exactly, exactly. Um, uh, but it kind of just allowed you to open up to the experience. Uh, and I think, you know, whether or not you're physically walking on, on coals or glass, the, the lesson is still there to, to look up and to realize that the, the worst thing that you think could possibly happen, yeah. you know, and maybe it's, you know, maybe, maybe in your situation, it could be like, lose your job. Well, okay. If you lost your job, that actually may not be the worst thing that ever happened to you. There's a gift and opportunity in every situation. hundred um, percent. Yeah. Um, you know, if you, if you, uh, here's a great example. Um, there, uh, Oprah's Firewalk. So if you go Google Oprah's Firewalk, watch it. Because what happens is exactly what you're saying. Because Oprah's there and she's got uh, Sherry there who was in charge of Harpo at the time. And they're losing it, man. <laughs> they are, they're running around like Oprah's like, oh my gosh, no, you know, we got to be in Africa and we got to do this. We got to do that. And, you know, she's, she's playing that worst case scenario. It's, it's not even that. She's playing a scenario that's not going to happen. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Right. Uh, burn your feet. You know, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, in fact, Tony gets to a point where she's, he has to calm her down. And he looks at her and he goes, Oprah, what's the worst case scenario here? Burn your feet off and die? Come on. I'm not going to let you get hurt. And she's like, and she gets it. She's like, you know what? He's right. Mm -hmm. And so she, go watch it. She firewalks. Well, when she gets to the celebration in and celebrates, oh my God, she loses it. She's out of her mm -hmm. mind. She yeah. is in such a peak state. I, you know, It's insane. Go watch it. And you know what else is phenomenal about that moment in her life? She makes one of the most profound decisions, most important decisions of her entire career, literally right there mm -hmm. on camera, right after the firewalk live so everybody can see it. She walks over, she goes around, the camera followers, and she's like, oh my gosh. And she's looking back at the fire. She goes, well, you know, this is not right. This is, this is unreasonable. You know, humans and mammals are, are taught to run from fire. Uh, and, and then she, all of a sudden she goes, and you know what? This is the next chapter. This is the next chapter, people. This is how you get there. And that's where she created the next chapter for Harpo. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you never know. And, you know, that story you just said, like something really bad happens to us and you think it's going to happen. I, I, I hope I don't screw this up. It's a story about a farmer. And the, one day his horse runs off. And, and, and all of a sudden, you know, the other farmers come around and go, oh my gosh, whoa, we're so sorry. This is terrible. This has got to be the one of the worst things that could ever happen. You can't farm. You can't do this. Can't do that. And the farmer responds, he goes, maybe. Mm -hmm. Well, two days later, the horse comes back with four other horses. Right. Mm -hmm. And their horse, and then his neighbors are like, oh my gosh, this has got to be the greatest thing that ever happened. Oh, you're such a lucky guy. And the farmer goes, Maybe. Next thing you know, his son's out there with one of the new horses and he's trying to break it, right? Ride it, break it. Boom, he gets thrown and breaks his leg, shatters it. Can't even walk. So now his son can't help with the farm. What do they do? The neighbors come over and go, oh my God, this is the worst. You know, you're not going to be able to do this. You're not going to be able to do that. You know, it's got to be bad. Farmer goes, maybe. <laughs> Two weeks later, guess who shows up? The army. They're recruiting. They're, they're taking all the young men off to battle. They couldn't take his son because he had a broken leg. So you know what I mean? 
You know, I was watching something here the other day and it was, um, it was kind of like a round table. I, it was, it was Tom Hanks, Robert De Niro. Uh, there were, t- there were two or three other actors that almost everybody would know. And they're just sitting talking about life, right? It's really cool. Very casual. And so it kind of comes around to Tom and they're like, so Tom, you know, if you could give yourself some advice and go back and tell your young self, what one thing would you tell him? And Tom kind of thinks for a minute, he goes, this too shall pass. Mm. He says, you know, you know, things are bad. Everything's going wrong. Your whole life's falling apart. It's, it's the worst case scenario. It's this or that. This too shall pass. He goes, yeah. everything going great. Everything wonderful. Think you got the world by the, you know what? This too shall pass. Right. Just wait it out. Yeah. I love. And that. there's lessons there, right? There's, yeah. uh, I, I like to think about um, that the challenge is whatever you're being currently challenged with is actually just preparing you for the next season of life. Yeah, absolutely. What, what's uh-huh. that saying? What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. I think there's, yeah. some, I think there's probably some truth to that because you know, the bottom line is in my, in my experience, being in the personal development industry for almost three decades and being around Tony Robbins and a lot of uh, proximity to a lot of really successful people, uh, both, at all levels, right? Mm-hmm. I'm talking about professional athletes and Olympians and the entertainment industries and actors and actresses and directors and producers and business owners and CEOs and all that. I think there's a magical formula. And that is the art and science of achievement versus fulfillment. Yeah, I've known Big people difference. that have, they've yeah. made a lot of money. They've made a ton of money and they're miserable. Yeah. Why? Because they never honed in on fulfillment. Tony will tell you, I've heard him say it. I believe it. Achievement without fulfillment is failure. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs because I do gigs for the entrepreneur organization all the time. And um, one of the things I say, and I was like, look, guys, I'm an entrepreneur too, and I get it. But let me tell you something. You're not going to get to the end of your life and you're going to look around one day and go, you know what? Man, I really messed up. I should have spent more time making money and less time with my family. No, that's not Mm going to happen. So, just it's all about really perspective, right? 100%. Perspective and, uh, and reflection. You know, it's Definitely. like, oh, I made this decision in the past. Maybe I won't make that decision in the future. Two, two ways to learn. You can learn from your own mistakes or the mistakes of others. Yeah. <laughs> you know, success <laughs> leaves clues, right? So does failure. So, yeah. 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 I mean, and yeah. That's, what, that's why Alcoholics Anonymous is such a wonderful organization. Because yeah. who saves another drunk? A drunk, right? Right, because yeah. we can relate. When we look at somebody who comes in and they, we know they're in pain, we know they probably got court date, dates and they're losing their family and you know they're losing their job and it, their whole world's completely crashing. We know what that feels like. I certainly do. I knew. Yeah. Um, and so that's the beauty. And I think that's one of the keys in life. That is, if you help enough people get what they want, you'll always get what you want. Mm-hmm. You know, that's how AA works. In the pre- preamble of AA, it says, when anyone anywhere reaches out, I want the hand of AA to be there. And for that, I am responsible. Mm-hmm. Well, our lives are tragic. And that's what I love about single moms. I love hiring single moms. The girl, the, you know, the young girl that did my website, single mom. Um, the girl that cleans my house, single mom. Why? Because they work their butts off. Right. Because failure is not an option. Right. Right. They can't fail. They've got to figure it out. And there's nothing more vicious than a mama bear. 
I mean, there is not. They're hardworking. They're yeah. focused. Um, you know, they're they're just amazing. And you know, I a, a few weeks ago, I had a longtime friend of mine um, who called me on the phone, and we got to talking. And I found out her life had just it was in her marriage it was tragic, and it was bad. There was sex trafficking and drugs, and uh, it was it was really really bad. And I said, well, listen, if you want to come up to my house and spend a few days up here in the mountains and we'll go to some waterfalls and we'll do a fire walk and let's do a board break and an arrow break and a glass walk. And, you know, we'll let's 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 get some things sorted out here. Mm -hmm. And you know what I've learned, Robin, over the years, sometimes people don't need a lot of help. They just need a little mm -hmm. just a little bit of encouragement to say, you know what, you're going to be OK. Look where you are. You're here. And so I, I convinced her to do what you're doing right now. Start a podcast. Talk to other women about it. Help them. Right. And she she looked at me and she said, you're right. Absolutely. Um, and she did. And she's, she's and I'm really proud of her. She's, she's, she's kicking, you know what? So, yeah. you know, women that have been through this kind of stuff need other women to tell them and walk them through it. And because I think one of the highest forms, one of the highest forms of intelligence that we can show as a human is being able to ask for help. Yeah, that's a good, yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. And I think it's, you know, a lot of, uh, not just women, but, you know, it certainly happens to men too, who are in such a desperate position. They, they, they don't, there's, they no longer see that they're worthy of help. Mm. Right. And so it is, um, you know, it's the, the kindness and the empathy of others just saying when you're ready, right. You, you know, it's there, there's this trust and these layers that have to be trust that has to be built and layers that have to be peeled. Right. Cause you, yeah. you know, you're going through traumatic experiences and you're kind of putting on the scales and, and, and self-preservation, yeah. Um, and self-preservation only serves you so long until you realize I actually do need other humans in my life. Yes. Uh, I need to be vulnerable uh, and to be able to accept the help of someone else. And when I accept the help from someone else, I can turn around and offer my hand to the next person and say, let me help you. I've been there, which is what I hear what you're saying is kind of what you got from, from AA and from the, the years of work that you've done. Um, helping organizations encourage and, and build their people to overcome yeah. the fear that, uh, you know, the, the world says you're not enough, you know, the messages that we get, it's, you're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You don't have enough education. It's like enough, 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 enough. And the reality is, is that we are all um, unique individuals with incredible gifts and talents. And it just kind of takes one person to say, Hey, you've got something interesting there. Like the guy who pulled you out of the back of the crowd, staring you down was like that guy right there, that Dave guy, he's got something. There's something there. So I'm going to pull him to the front. And you, and you never know when that's going to appear. Right. There's some stranger that, you know I mean? Look at that, right? Here's some stranger didn't know me just said, Hey man, you okay? Hey, Hey, want to walk that? Not okay. Do you want to watch? Okay. I don't know who this guy is to this day. I have no idea. Yeah. But without that, um, I don't go to a Robbins event. I don't do the fire walk. You don't, I have, I wouldn't have transformed been part of over half a million people. Wouldn't have worked for Tony Robbins. Wouldn't be on the above and not, you know, beneath 
podcast today, right? I mean, all those things had to come together. It's almost like that Jimmy Stewart, you know, in the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. You know, the thing about men too is, and, and we, we've got a, I've got a group of warriors that I spend a lot of time with. And that's, I think that's a very important distinction for anybody because yeah. we are who we spend time with and you better be selective. You better do right. You better pick right because you will become who you spend time with. Yeah. And so I, I, I hang out with a group of warriors. These guys are, they are, they are, they are badasses. They're Navy SEALs. They're, they're military of all levels. Um, they're incredible CEOs. They're incredible fathers, entrepreneurs. And one of the things that we're back teaching men is this idea that maybe your dad or your great or your grandfather told you, you can't cry. You got to suck it up. No, absolutely not. That is not true. And so we're there to break that pattern because it, it doesn't serve those men and we break them down. Uh, mm -hmm. We have a training that we do in Nashville. We do it a couple times a year and we break them down physically. We break them down mentally and we get them down to back to thing. It's okay, man. It's okay to ask mm -hmm. for help. It's okay to cry. It's okay to work it out. Um, and so, you know, I, I love that kind of, kind of thing, working with, with men of that nature. And I think women are doing a, a lot in that, in that area as well. Yeah. There's so much to get straightened out, right? Because why yeah. don't people get what they want in life? I ask this of all my audiences. Why don't, the, why don't we get what we want in life? And you said part of it right there, Robin. And that is, we don't have the time. We don't have the money. We don't have the education. We don't have the background. You know, I'm too young. I'm too old. Well, that's a story. Mm, that's not the true. story we tell ourselves, right? The story we tell ourselves. You want to change your life? Change your story. When I do yeah. my seminars, I put a picture up behind me, right? And it's a picture of Eric Weinmeier. And the picture is, it's pretty obvious. He's standing at the top of Mount Everest. So I'll be talking for 30 minutes and then I'll stop and say, hey, who here can tell me uh, where my friend Eric here is standing? And they'll say, Mount Everest. I'll say, That's correct. Let me tell you something else about Eric. He's climbed the seven highest mountains on seven continents. I'm telling you, he's climbed the seven highest mountains on earth. Put him on a mountain bike. Man, can he tear it up? He can ride that mountain bike like you would not believe. Put him in a kayak. He could probably navigate almost any river on earth. Mm -hmm. But let me tell you something you don't know about Eric. He's blind. Oh. So how much crap have you told yourself about what you can do and what you can't do? It's not true. If that, if a blind man can climb the seven highest mountains on earth, you're sitting in that chair right now with, if you could get up and move and you can see, you can do whatever you want to do. Yeah. So, you know, if you want to lie to yourself, go ahead. That's up to you. You want to play small, doesn't serve the world. That's, that's up to you. Um, but I would, I would encourage you to rise up for your greatness because you were put here for a divine reason. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, what is it? I believe the two most important times in somebody's life is the moment they're born and the moment they figure out why. Mm -hmm. And I also believe that every human on the planet has two lives. And the second one starts when you, when you realize you have only one. Hmm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, again, Robin, it only takes a little bit of encouragement. Right. You know, wouldn't you at least like to watch? <laughs> right? Uh, right. That's what that was for me. A little yeah. bit of encouragement. Yeah. So listen up yeah. and, and, and be ready. Absolutely yeah. be ready. Yeah. I want to just kind of go back real quick and acknowledge what you said about the work that you're doing with, uh, with men and helping them yeah. become emotionally free. Yes. And uh, that is powerful and incredible work. Yes. And that's a, I think a, a message that 
men all over the world, young boys, uh, you know, every middle school teenager, high schooler um, needs to hear because it is still this, um, you know, we have to have this bravado and, uh, you know, we have to do all things and be all things to all people. And it, it doesn't serve, it doesn't serve them. It doesn't serve their families. It doesn't serve their, uh, their communities. And, um, you know, I think women by nature, the way they're created are, are more emotional, um, more connected emotionally. And it's less of a, there's a less, less of a stigma there for women to experience their emotions than there, than there is for men. And I think that work in helping men be able to, um, acknowledge their emotions and learn how to express them in healthy ways, uh, is, is life-changing for their families and for their, the, the circles of the communities that they impact. Yeah. Um, we attack them. You know, we get in there and we do it in a really loving kind, but we do it in a, in a, in a male kind of way. Sure. You know, we go, we go deep. Uh, we want to know how much alcohol do you drink? Mm. Do you smoke cigarettes? Do you drink energy, energy drinks? What's your, what's your nutrition look like? How much water do you drink a day? Mm. You know, where, where, what, uh, what sin are you falling for? Mm. Uh, you know, do you negotiate with yourself? Do you tell yourself, Hey, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go work out today. Then you don't do it. Stop negotiating. You know, where, where are you losing time? Uh, are, are your eyes, you know, running off? You have shiny, shiny syndrome, shiny ball syndrome. Are you watching porn? Are you, you know, whatever we break all that down and say, you know, when you go home from here for 90 days, you don't do any of that. Mm. Going to work out, work out. You're going to eat good nutrition, eat nutritionally, stop drinking, stop smoking, stop doing energy drinks, stop watching porn. Just stop all of that for a minimum of 90 days, because your family deserves that. Yeah. And so we break them down. They get it, right? We yeah. do some breathing exercises and some re deep diaphragmic breathing. Mm -hmm. And we do some, um, some meditation with that. And uh, we have some guys coming in that are really good with that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, my buddy Dalton, man, he, man, this guy, he does an incredible job. And so all of us, so all the guys that have come to this, are really successful in their lives. They're, they're good fathers, they're good husbands. Um, and so we break all that down. Because again, you know, it all boils down to the story that you tell yourself about what mm -hmm. happens. And I don't care what happens to you. It doesn't matter. And I'll give you an example. So I remember seeing this documentary one time and they start off at a prison and the gates open and it's razor wire. You can tell it's a prison that they saw an aerial shot of it and the turrets and machine guns and all that. And then they go through this steel door and you hear it slam behind you. You can hear the steel mm -hmm. and the echo. And it goes down this long, dark hallway, and it comes to this area in the middle. And there's a big turret in the middle where the guards are looking at, like, five stories of prison cells. Mm -hmm. And so it goes up this one catwalk, and it goes down, and all of a sudden it turns into this room. And there's a man sitting there, and you can tell he is broken. And he starts telling his story. And he starts talking about how badly abused he was. They'd lock him in the attic for days. They wouldn't feed him. He was beaten badly. Uh, he was horribly, horribly sexually abused. I mean, some of the stuff he was talking about, you, you're, you, you know, you just cringe. You can't even imagine that human beings would do that 
to another human being, especially family, right? Yeah. So it was hor horrible. And you know, the more he told his story, Robin, he kind of ran this pattern, right? Because at the end, the more he told the story, the more angry he got. And at the end, he's screaming. He's just out of his mind with anger. And he's screaming and he's like, and, and if you are treated the way I was treated, this is where you end up. <clears throat> and boom, the camera breaks away. And you're like, gosh. And you're almost going, yeah, he, it, it makes sense, right? You're almost going along with him, right? Because the way, the way it was laid out and the way he presented it. Well, then the next thing you know, it shows off in the distance. There's a, out there, you know, there's this beautiful house. You can see it. And you get out there, it's got a circular driveway and, and, the, and the doors, the double doors, they open up and the camera comes down through and you see the kids, like four of them. You know, they go running through the scene, right? Having fun, chasing each other. And it pans over into the kitchen and there's mom. And you can almost smell the chicken noodle soup and the chocolate chip mm -hmm. cookies, right? Mm -hmm. It's a beautiful, beautiful scene. And then they come back over and there's dad. And dad's sitting in his easy chair and he takes his new paper and he puts it down. The fireplace is going. And all of a sudden they start an interview. And this guy pretty much goes, hey, man, I was horribly treated. It was bad. You know, they locked me in the attic for days and weeks at a time. They wouldn't feed me for days and weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. They would beat me with a strap. They would they would hit me in the face. They would, and they and I was horribly sexually abused. They did it all to me. You name it. They did it to me. And it was family who did it to me. And he kind of gets to the end and he goes, you know what? If you were treated the way I was treated, what else could you do but, but be an amazing father and an amazing husband? <laughs> and all of a sudden at the, at the end, it flashed on the bottom of the screen that those two guys were brothers. Wow. Wow. We decide. Victor Frankel taught us. Yeah. Man search for meaning, man. There it is. Yeah. He's in Auschwitz. And, and they take everything from him. They, they assassinated his family. Um, you're standing outside in the cold, naked, no food, no nothing. They take everything from you except your attitude. Right. Can't take that. You have to give it to them. Yeah. You, you have to volunteer that out. And so what did he do? How did he get out? He told himself that somebody has to tell this story. And so that's what yeah. he did. That was a driving force that got him out. And so, yeah. you know, what are, what are you going to do to tell your story? What are you going to do to get yourself out? Yep. Again, you want to change your life, just change your story yeah. and, and create one that's magnificent. Right. <laughs> Leave one that's exactly. legacy because, you know, that's why I'm doing podcasts these days. You know, my kids and grandkids and more are someday going to be out there and go, hey, look, it's grandpa. He's on yep. above it, <laughs> above and beneath podcast, right? With Robin. So, you know, that's yeah. a beautiful thing is that we do these kinds of things and it's and we have hosts out there like you that take this and bring in people and to share it with an audience. And hopefully there's somebody out there listening to the podcast today that goes, wow, that makes a lot of sense. They're right. When would now be a good time to change my life? Right. And it's just one small thing. It just takes one, yep. one small thing. Just, I think it's, um, it goes back to just starting to ask yourself, why, why, why did I make this decision? How did I end up here? How could I, how could I maybe do this differently in the future and not in a, a condemning way? Cause I think right. so often we go into self-condemnation, yeah. which I don't find to be helpful. Yeah. Uh, but I think uh, treating ourselves with kindness and empathy and being like, you know, I made a mistake there, but that mistake doesn't define me. Nope. And it, um, it, there's just a lesson. So I learned well, a lesson. Yeah. What can I learn from this? Right. Where's the silver lining? 
Yeah. Where's the opportunity, right? Where's the opportunity? There's always opportunities in in these Mm -hmm. kinds of situations. Yeah. So, you know, I like to say all the time, you know, life's life is 10% what happens to you and 90% how you react to it. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's not what you do. It's not what you do. Or it's not what you know. It's what you do with what you do and what you know. Yeah. So do right. Yeah. There's there's a there's a way to do it. So yeah. and I you know what and and I talk a lot and I'm and I'm on stage all the time. And here's what I've learned: people could care less how successful you are. Right. They don't care. They just don't. You know what they want to know? They want to know. Tell me about your struggles and how you overcame them, mm-hmm. because that's valuable. You know, you want to learn how to make money? You can do that. You just, right. just go. There's, there's, there's enough YouTube videos out there and enough information about that. You know, you can make money, but how do you, you know, again, it goes back to uh, achievement versus fulfillment, helping enough people get what they want in life. You'll always get what you want in life. Help mm-hmm. people. That's Help the bottom people. line. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. Help yeah. people. That's yeah. why we're here today. Just yeah. trying to spread some encouragement and to help others uh, reach, reach the next level, whatever that level looks like for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Dave, you offered um, a code for a discount and I'll make sure that we can, we'll put everything um, access and, and all that good stuff into the show notes. So folks could find your firewalking Academy. It sounds fascinating. Well, the code, yeah, the code will be six, eight, two, eight. And then if anybody wants to uh, come to our website and if nothing else, come check it out. It's pretty cool website. Some good stuff great visuals in there and fun stuff to look at. Um, and our website is uh, firewalk adventures with a nest.com. So it's all one word firewalk adventures, all one word.com. And the Academy is in the top left-hand corner. If somebody wants to check that out, uh, I do do a discovery call with everybody. I will, I tell everybody, look, I, I will, if I don't think this is for you, I will tell you. Yeah. Um, because it, it has to be congruent with what's going on in your life. And there's a lot of, um, uh, com- you know, there's just a lot of work that has to be done to be put into that. And so that we can collaborate on a high level. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, Dave, thank you so much pleasure, for Robin. joining me today. Yeah, it's such a pleasure, pleasure to, to meet you and to hear about all the amazing work that you're doing. Cool. Well, thank you. And I'd love to come back someday. Yes. I would definitely love to have you back. Cool. 